Harvard must be proud. This is TFG Unbuttoned. It's the Focus Group Unbuttoned with Tim Bennett and John Nash. An off-the-cuff take on politics, pop culture, and current events. Hello, everybody. Tim Bennett here with my good friend and co-host, John T. Nash. We are TFG Unbuttoned, the Tuesday podcast from your friends at the Focus Group with Tim Bennett and John Nash. Don't get confused with the other Focus Group that's out there that just started. We are the original Focus Group, 13 years now. So uh, be sure to find us at all places where uh, media is housed. You can find us at focusgroupradio.com. Thanks to our friends at Critics' Choice Video, who have been with us since the start here at TFG Unbuttoned. Also, find all of our podcasts there as well at focusgroupradio.com. Hello, Mr. Nash. Good morning, sir. I just got, you know, before we came on the air, Tim and I were talking about um, last week I had a, I guess it was a cold. <laughs> I don't know what else to call it. And it, it was such a shock to actually have like a sore throat and run a slight fever. No no runny nose or anything. I, I just freaked out because I haven't been sick in you know what we we were, we talk about this all the time when when lockdown happened right we haven't you know i haven't been sick in a long time yeah so tim sends me a note he goes take aspirin rest drink fluids which i did and thank you tim for recommending chicken soup i forgot what a uh, wonderful cure all that 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 is so bob bought some great chicken soup that was homemade at a store around the corner from us and it tasted delicious then i crashed woke up the next morning i mean this might have been a two day thing cuz it started with a headache then it went to the the sore throat thing woke up, headaches gone, sore throat's barely there, and temperature's normal. Right. So yeah, no one knows why chicken soup seems to work. I, <laughs> you know, I was supposed to get my shot, my booster shot, and they canceled on me twice. The day, really, the day of. So I was supposed to get it Friday, and uh, and all of a sudden I get this cancellation in the morning, early morning, that the shot's been canceled, but I can reschedule. So I go back on. And the time I was supposed to get it done at 1030 on, on last Friday morning, it's, the, the time was available again. So I signed up again and uh, it confirms it and then it gets canceled five minutes later. So I call this special number and you would have thought I was calling from the moon. I get some agent on there. She kept asking me where I was calling from. I said, Delaware. Where? I said, Delaware. <laughs> she kept asking where. I said, Delaware. I said, oh, my God. So I gave her the store number. It was supposed to be at a CVS. So she tells me, which I was unaware this was going on because I know you were looking to get the booster too. She said, well, the, the computer system is not catching up with the fact that people can just walk in. And if they, if yes, they have the yes. doses, they're getting shots. So she said, so if they run out of vaccine, they'll cancel your appointment. She said, the best thing to do is to just walk in and see if they have any available and get the shot. You know, call the store, ask them if you can go in and get the booster. Because uh, if people have walked in and they'll, they'll get rid of the, you know, the vaccines, the medicine. And uh, so if you did schedule and they ran out of it, they'll cancel your appointment, which I thought was a bit aggravating. This is this is interesting because um, here in, in New York, uh, flu shots, it, it apparently and, and it's exactly what you said, flu shots and uh, COVID first and second, uh, vaccine first and second doses and boosters, you can apparently just walk into the pharmacy and if there's no one around or if they have the supply available, you sit down and you have it done, which kind of was amazing to me because when this all happened, when, when the vaccines first became available, 
remember how people had text messaging systems and websites set up to find uh, stray appointments and like, you know, people were, you know, scrambling for it. Now there's this notion that there's so much of it available. You just walk in. But in your case, it actually is counterintuitive because they don't give preference to someone who has an appointment. That, that's that's the weird thing about that. Right? Well, that's what I think. I think if you make the appointment and fill out all the paperwork, why would you not um, be able to get hold a dose? Yeah, I just yeah. I just think that's that's crazy. And then uh, then I saw, you know, I this whole thing with our government, and of course, the election last week. But I, I, I saw something quite funny that I was I don't know if it's funny, but maybe you'll find it odd. So our friend Joe Manchin in West Virginia, you know, he's talking about the poor people of West Virginia who he represents and really is very conservative. Did you see that he was being blocked by some protesters last week? No. <laughs> so he was he was in his park. He was in the parking garage trying to get out. And he, he is blocked by these environmentalist protesters. And they were also upset by the fact that he, he hasn't, uh, you know, is a real pain in the ass about um, voting for the uh, infrastructure bill. He drives a he drives a Maserati SUV, which costs twice as much than the average West Virginian makes uh, in annual income. <laughs> wait, wait, wait! I had no idea that Maserati even made an SUV. So here, let me play a game with you. Um, the price tag on such a vehicle has to be in Porsche territory, like Cayenne territory. This must be 65, 75. Oh, sweetie, 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 up, up, up. It it probably, so they start in the 80s and probably what he's driving from what it looked like, he's probably over 100. But I'll be nice and say it's 90. The average income in West Virginia is about 46, 47,000 householding. Wow. So he's talking about the poor people of West Virginia and I don't know what's in the bill. And he's talking about how we rebuilt Europe uh, with, you know, less money. Well, 75 years ago, of course it was less money. A house cost 5,000 bucks. <laughs> the average worker made $12,000. Yeah. Of course, yeah. It was a lot less money. You moron. <laughs> and then, so this yeah. asshole, excuse my language is bitching and moaning on TV about the poor West Virginians and then shows up in a parking garage with a Maserati. I, SUV. I you know, baseline 90,000 plus. <laughs> can you believe it? Yes, I can. And first of this all, it's a exactly- foreign car. I don't understand these senators. Would you ever, if you were an elected official, as, as a senator or a representative, be driving a foreign car? Well, you know, I would if the car had plants in America. For example, our you know one of our old partners, VW, built cars down in Chattanooga, right. Tennessee, right? And and Subaru builds them in, in and the Honda. As there's well, a number so, of places, right? Yeah. But I'm not aware that Maserati has a plant anywhere in the U.S. Certainly not West Virginia. <laughs> Boy, you're wound up. Well, I am wound up because he's, you know, and I don't know why people do not call these hypocrites out. It's like, which gets us into our first story, which is why I mentioned Harvard, because, you know, terminally confused Tom Cotton. Um, I know you have a thing for him, too, right? Our, our senator from Arkansas, right? That, that terminally confused boy. Tom Cotton. Yeah, he's. Which is our first story today here on Unbuttoned. I, I guess we might as well get right into it. So, yeah. <laughs> um, so he's a Republican senator from uh, from Arkansas, and he he last he last week had attacked the credibility of the leader of the major teachers union, uh, Randy Weingarten, who happens to be a lesbian, and uh, but he was upset with her because um, he had said that she has no business talking about education or what uh, children's rights are or what um what actually his his quote was 
<clears throat> she does not even have children of her own. What the hell does she know about raising and teaching kids? She's 63, I think. She's been in education her entire career. Right. She has stepkids. You know, she's taught kids for years. She loves all her students. She knows a lot more than Tom Cotton does, that's for sure. And yeah, so he just, once again, but this goes back to what you were saying before about Joe Manchin driving a Maserati SUV or Tom Cotton opening his mouth and tell, and, and literally, you know, saying something horribly negative about a woman who's devoted her entire career to the education of children. There's, there just doesn't seem to be, um, they can say what they can say, right? They can say anything they want and they seem to get away well, with it. And, and and he smears the reputation of a very, very storied professional who happens to be a really cool woman. Right. Well, right? he's a, and he went and why he opened it up. So he went to Harvard, as did his friend Raphael Teddy Cruz. And the whole, you know, there, there's a whole number of them that actually went to a number of Ivy Leagues, whether it's Yale, Harvard, Princeton, that we know are a lot smarter than they than they act, I would hope, unless these Ivy Leagues need to reboot their admissions process. But uh, so, yes, Weingarten, she's been an educator for 35 years. And so she she came right back at him and said, did I misread this or did Tom Cruise or Tom Cotton just say that teacher a, that just any teacher who is also uh, a parent shouldn't be be able to teach? And then she gives other examples, um, you know, and, and I loved yeah, she says. She says. I guess Senator Tom Cotton hasn't done his homework and doesn't know I have stepchildren, grandkids, nieces, and nephews. They would certainly be surprised by his comments, as would the many students I taught and loved at Clara Barton High School in Brooklyn. Um, you know, this again that the Republicans found a winning wedge issue, which was a culture issue again with education, and that's how they tipped the balance in Virginia and a few other places. But, you know, you can say the Republicans did this, but the voters also did it. And whether or not they did their homework before they pulled the lever is anybody's guess. Yeah, right? there was another. And then there was an Ohio uh, GOP candidate, J.D. Vance, who jumped on the bandwagon, too. And he thinks and he's calling this the childless left, the childless. Oh, left. I love this. He one. says yeah. that uh, he went as far as to say that maybe um, Vance went as far as saying that uh, people with kids should be allowed more votes um, for each child they have. So my point is, well, then maybe we should charge you more taxes because you're a bigger because oh. you're, you're, you're bigger. <laughs> you know, you, you use more infrastructure like schools and healthcare. You know, would you want to pay more taxes because you have more kids there? The, you know, it's so funny you said that, because I remember years ago we were talking about Melissa mm -hmm. Etheridge once um, brought this up. She said, you know, if you're going to play these games, why am I paying school taxes? Why am I paying all this stuff for you folks? And um my mind went there as well. I thought, okay, okay, you want your your kids get ex because you have a child, which by the way is not that hard to produce, yeah. right? I don't mean to be. I'm not knocking anything, but you know, it's it's not impossible to to create a child. <laughs> it is very hard to raise one and to create a wonderful contributing adult with compassion and empathy, and that's the the role of parents and schools and of course our towns and communities. But, um. Yeah, I just looked at that, and I, I sh and J.D. Vance. Remember, he was he was the the darling yeah. of the book circuit when he came out with Hillbilly Elegy, which sort of t tried to explain the ascendancy of the previous president and the election. And then he turned around and did all this, and it's just hypocrisy. Well, there were three, there were three quick. Right. Um, there were just three quick comments, which I think um, highlight what you said there in the comments section. One, what one was someone said, "Let's take this to its logical extension." Then for the cotton philosophy. And so one of one of these commenters yep. says, so then no senator or representative should be allowed to vote 
on defense items or make binding decisions on military action unless he or she has been in active duty. No person who mm-hmm. has ever experienced pregnancy should be allowed to vote on laws affecting pregnancy. Oh, that's interesting. And then people without kids should be exempt from school taxes. And then my favorite one was no person that's been to the Barnelli's and just recently got married to a beast should be making these statements. <laughs> <laughs> Enough said on that story. Next one. Next Most one. Salt Lake cities. <laughs> Most of Salt Lake City's council will be LGBTQ people now. So, four out of so this is Salt Lake City, Utah, which we know is um, a very uh, Mormon state. Mormon. So they said four out of six city councilors in Salt Lake City will be LGBTQ people after last week's elections, making the group a majority on the council. The election results are being highlighted as an example as how far acceptance of LGBTQ people have come. Uh, so far in the state, this said Utah, a red state with deep ties to the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints or the Mormons. Um, certainly not a bastion of LGBTQ rights, but they certainly have made remarkable strides. And uh, certainly Salt Lake City in particular has led the pack. It's interesting to me because um, you and I certainly have known people over the years, uh, many people from Utah that talk about how um, how strict uh, Utah was or how and sometimes people may have been, um, I don't want to say disowned, but I guess maybe disowned or ostracized from their families. So to see a city like Salt Lake, one of the, the largest city in Utah, have people elected to office um, by Mormons, right, um, mm-hmm. I think I think is a huge step forward. So I thought that was good news. Yeah, I, I liked this piece. It was short and sweet, and it really came down to the fact that these uh, elected officials, the council members, you know, they. Uh, one of them said, um, "While the LGBTQ members will fight tirely, tirelessly to advance equality, we know they are primarily focused on the everyday issues that will improve the lives of their constituents." So it once again comes down to the voters. There made a very smart decision. They're like, "Okay, these folks are going to represent us well," and they ba- they didn't really worry about the, you know, their L- what, whether they were LGBTQ or not. And I just like when that happens because, um, you know. It's an interesting thing to have that happen in Utah, and enough said right. there. <laughs> and then our, uh, our our final story, which um, I don't know if I've done this, maybe when I was a little kid, but Tropicana, the orange juice people, uh, is resolving the unpalatable combination of OJ and toothpaste. So um, it, it uh, last week was National Brush Day or Na- National Toothbrush Day. So Tropicana is a marketing stunt, um, has developed this Tropicana toothpaste, OJ flavored, orange juice flavored toothpaste. You can't buy it, but you could have, you could have entered a sweepstakes that ran through um, last Thursday and entered a chance to win a limited edition of this toothpaste of your own. But essentially what they did is they talked about uh, drawing attention to them about uh, how some, some things go great together and some things don't and uh, made an issue out of the um, you know, brushing your teeth uh, right after having uh, orange juice and how that's a horrible, horrible taste and what some people think it tastes like. And then they did their own little survey and uh, to see what which taste combinations or what combinations of things don't work together. And of course, orange juice and toothpaste came out on top with 46%. And then they had some other, other, uh, other categories there. Have you ever brushed your teeth with after having orange juice? Uh, yeah, yeah, and um, frankly, I've done it the other way around, where I brush them first and then have orange juice. Either either combination before, pre, or post, it it just leaves you with a kind of a funny taste. And so, what happens with this thing that Tim's talking about? It's limited edition; it's not for sale. 
you're going to en- you have to enter uh, you comment on the on at Tropicana underscore juices their Instagram post using Tropicana toothpaste sweepstakes, and uh, and this is only through oh I guess it already finished through November fourth um, to be entered in a chance to win limited edition toothpaste. According to the res- recent survey, though, um, for people that tried this toothpaste, is that did I read that correctly? Uh, they described the aspartaste as burnt toast yeah. and dirty pennies. And they said 60% of people thought that orange juice and toothpaste is a worse combination than socks and sandals. Unless you, unless you live in the Pacific Northwest. <laughs> yeah, but the socks and sandals, it's one of my is biggest it really? thieves I know. You have, I do not, yeah, it just looks, it says something to me right off the bat when I see socks and sandals. And you're the you're sort of in the same camp with, with guys who, who don't. Well, that's disgusting. You got to clip your toenails. Don't yeah. you think? Yeah. <laughs> no, agree, but the, yeah. the other one though, they had pineapple and pizza. So it was orange juice and toothpaste was the first one, right? And then it was sneakers and the yep. beach. So that's a no no. Rain and a music festival. Now you always see these happy, you know, people that are stoned dancing around in the mud. I always thought that was kind of happy. Mm-hmm. But there's nothing fun about rain and a music pineapple festival, and pizza. You know? Although people do love that Hawaiian pizza. Yeah, I don't. And then yeah, socks and sandals. Although the lesbians love socks and sandals, Birkenstocks and sandals. I did it for a while. When I lived out there, everybody <laughs> wore those big, heavy wool socks and sandals and shorts, sweatshirt. And you were and you were comfortable you were and you didn't care because everybody yeah. else was doing it, too. <laughs> you never did it. You're not a no. lesbian. No. All right. No. <laughs> so, hey, as, uh, as we mentioned at the top of the show, Critics' Choice video has been with us since the start of the show. Or since the, yeah, since the start of our podcast. So um, head over to focusgroupradio.com and click on the Critics' Choice video logo and start shopping away. They've got a site-wide sale going on right now, and it's uh, now would be a great time to uh, stock up on things that are your favorites and get some stocking stuffers or things for that uh, that person on your holiday list. Did anything attract you, Mr. Nash? Oh, you bet. You bet. So I was poking around, and uh, I came across uh, Kale Studio Classics. I think that's Kino Lorber. They released um, the producers, which was Mel Brooks, wildly successful directorial debut which went on to become broadway show with nathan lane and um and uh uh why am i spacing on him uh ferris bueller your favorite oh, uh, guy matthew broderick matthew broderick and then that became a movie so it was a movie that became a play that became a movie but the original mel brooks original version of his first movie uh the producers from 1967 zero mustel gene wilder dick sean I, you know, I, it, it comes up on Turner classic movies now and then, you know, not, I haven't seen it on broadcast a lot. And if it came onto TCM, it's, you know, that's uncut the whole bit. I can't stop laughing when I watch the movie. It is so insane and it's such great performances. And of course, people who know the producers know it's all about that. These guys creating this, they try to create the worst play they can because they sold everybody, all the backers each own 110% or 100% or something accounting wise crazy. And of course they decide to put on a play called springtime for Hitler. So we saw it a few weeks ago and I wrote it down. I thought this is something that people need to buy. It's 1271. Uh, it's a DVD at twelve dollars and seventy one cents at, at Critics Choice Video. Could that and there movie was a be scene made in the now? movie? No, it's like Blazing Saddles. A lot of Mel Brooks's films, especially the early ones, you, you have to really wonder if they would ever let that be made. 
There's a scene in the movie where they're they're launching the show. It's premiere night for Springtime for Hitler, and and they're sure it's going to be a bomb because there's they, these audience. There's the camera looks at the audience now and then, and people are get like their mouths are open. They're in shock because there's this whole musical number about the, the Nazis going on. Well, then people decide it's a comedy, and so Zero Mostel and Gene Wilder are in a bar across the street from the theater where it's premiering, and all these people start coming in. And there's some hilarious lines, like one of them was a, a line I just had lodged in my head. I never heard it before. And a woman is having a cocktail, and she says, Hitler's going to be popular for years. <laughs> but, you know, if you think back to Germany, I mean, for he years. was popular for years, right? So anyway, um, my recommendation is to check out the producers on DVD from 1967. It's Mel Brooks, Brooks's wildly successful directorial debut. It's available at Critics' Choice Video, America's classic movie and TV authority since 1987. We want to thank them for being with us here on the show. And as a last little thing, uh, Tim and I are giving away Focus Group Radio socks. So if you make a purchase from Critics' Choice Video and uh, you receive it in the mail, just take a quick picture with your phone of the DVD or the Blu-ray and maybe the packing slip that came with it and send that picture to letters at focusgroupradio.com. That's letters at focusgroupradio.com. And we will send you a pair of the famous Focus Group Radio socks. I think purple is the color we now have in stock, correct? So there you go. What could be better than a great way of starting your holiday shopping than getting something from Critics' Choice and then getting something else from the Focus Group, which would be some of our socks. Thanks for joining us. Thanks to Critics' Choice, and we'll see you in the new week. It's the Focus Group Unbuttoned with Tim Bennett and John Nash, available every Tuesday. Learn more about Tim and John, Unbuttoned, and all of the Focus Group platforms at focusgroupradio.com.